It is such a pleasure to be here. Um, as Jennifer mentioned, I grew up Unitarian Universalist, and I almost became a Unitarian Universalist minister, but on the way, following that path, I did some work for our national headquarters, and when I was trying to figure out if I was going to seminary or not, I started working on children's television, which was so much fun. And then I met and married a Unitarian Universalist minister, and so we decided, do we have two ministers in the family, or do I keep doing the fun work I've been doing with television and congregations? And so over the last 10 years, I've developed really a specialty in helping our congregations build community, and then more recently, integrate technology and media into what we're doing. But really, the thing that connects everything that I do is relationship. Uh, because believe it or not, when I started out years ago as uh, a young adult, I was the shyest person you could ever imagine. I was like a clam. And it was, it was actually getting lost, actually, in my own congregation, people you know, as a young adult, the adults not knowing me, that led me to start working with our youth group, where I slowly built relationships there, and then over time developing really great small ways for small groups to gather. So I helped our congregations across the country develop fabulous small group ministries. Here I think you call them covenant groups. Um, and so I've been interested, what happens when people want to connect to a congregation? Uh, but something kind of strange has happened since 2005, 2007, when all these digital tools like YouTube and Facebook um, came out. The way people connect with our congregations, which has always been kind of a clunky and anxiety-filled experience, right? Everyone feel really confident and comfortable the first time they ever go to a church? No, no, no. I've been studying this phenomenon. When people go to a new church, I'm going to hold up a picture, and I'll describe it. This is what your average person looks like. What do you say? It's a, goog a googly face with kind of an awkward smile. A little, uh, almost every time. No one goes to church like, oh, I love it, I love it, I know I'm in the right place. Except for one woman. A number of years ago at the congregation my wife was serving in Newport, Rhode Island, I was sitting in the back because I like to just kind of see how people are greeted, being greeted, and be helpful if I can. This woman came in, and she just was looking around, and as soon as the service started, she's like, oh, like I saw her face. She's like, oh, this is awesome. I can just tell she's smiling. She's like so excited. And during their joys and sorrows time, she went to the, the front of the church to share because they actually give you a microphone. Some of our congregations have learned not to do that. Just light the candle, be quiet, right? Uh, but they, she went up and she said, hi everyone, I'm Marsha, and I just wanted to say, hallelujah! This is it! I found my spiritual home. I was talking to one of my friends, and she described what you are, and like, that's what I've been looking for, and I came, and it's true, and you're that, and I'm here, and at first, everyone's like, oh my God, what's this lady saying? But then they're like, oh, hooray, and clapping. In coffee hour, I introduced myself to her because I'm, I'm the minister's spouse, so I'm like, you know, super, like, not first lady, but, you know, like, the, the super host. Uh, and I introduced myself, and when Marsha, and she gave me permission to share the story um, after a while, she said, 
So I asked her about herself, and she explained who she was, how she worked with a, a restaurant and lived nearby. And when I explained that I've been working with media and helping our congregations do outreach and just how do we help people know who we are and where we are, all of a sudden her face turned kind of serious. And she's thinking. And I said, are you OK? And she opened her eyes, looked right at me, lifted a finger. Her finger started shaking. She's almost hitting my chest. This is not an exaggeration. She says, do you realize that I've been looking for a place like this for 20 years or more? I live blocks away. I never understood what you actually were. Do you realize, Peter, what my life would have been like? If I've already started meeting people, actually not meeting people, I've discovered friends of mine who have been members here that I didn't know were Unitarian Universalists. Do you know what my life would have been like if I had actually found this kind of community and where I can bring my whole self and, and my ex-Catholic this and my that, and my Oprah, and my meditation and everything and justice. And, and then she looks at me and says, you have to do better. So I got to, I'm like, I took a breath. I'm like, ah. Little nervous Peter Bowden wanted to be like, ah, run away, run away, run away. But I said, you know, I am not responsible for all of Unitarian Universalism, <laughs> but I'm actually in a good place to help. And so that's, on that day, I went from being this happy, good little, born and raised Unitarian Universalist who wanted to just do whatever our congregations need to help them be happy, um, a good little servant of our faith, to working for the people who aren't here yet and looking at what we need to do for them. And that changed everything for me. And behold, that brought me to First Parish in Cambridge. Took a while, took a while. So here's the deal. Um, when your average person walks into the congregation, and this is before the technology, they'd come in and I got my little googly, awkward face. They come in and, you know, before the service, but then especially after the service when everyone starts going to coffee hour, they start looking around. The eyes are moving on my little thing. The eyes are looking around, and they're like, uh, who's going to talk to me? Yeah, I know there was a great, you know, li newcomer liaison here, but there's someone else talking to that person. What do I do? They look for a bulletin board, and then maybe try and find coffee. And, and I won't speak for this congregation, but in countless congregations that I've been to, the awkward people, the people who are anxious for being there and aren't ready to just go, hey, hi, I am. People walk up to them and say, hi, and then leave and go talk to their friends. Another person, hi, hi. There's a few people like, oh, that's sad. It is sad. Week after week, Newcomers come into our congregations, and you know, we're not really great at going beyond the superficial. 
because, and this is something that it took me a while to learn, going to coffee hour and going to church is actually a horrible way to connect with the new congregation. Coffee hour is brutal. It's brutal. You know it's true. We should just call it like the blood black. Welcome to slaughter. We're serving coffee. All right, maybe it's not that bad. Not that bad. Actually, it is that bad. It is that bad. Um, so there are two things I want to share with you. Number one, how is technology changing the way people are coming and connecting? What does it mean for our congregations? And those of us who are trying to connect, and what do we have to do to make it better, to make sure we do connect well, so that everyone who wants to be kind of be part of one of our communities, which you know, bring in these different beliefs and traditions and sources and are working for justice together, we can do that. So first, here's what's happened since um, all these tools, social media tools and Wikipedia have come out. Now that people have access to the sum total of human knowledge online, or the best there is online, it's not always accurate, especially when it comes to anything that might be at all stressful or you know, have uncertainty or anxiety, people research the heck out of it. I don't know if you're like me. I used to be really shy. I've, I've like worked to open up. But before I go anywhere, I'm like Googling it, doing maps. I don't go anywhere today without, I'm like, you know, like a CIA operative, like studying, like, like I'm developing a portfolio on the place I'm going to visit. And that's like where I'm going to buy a sweater, you know? And so when it comes to a congreg, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. When it comes to choosing a new faith community pre-internet which in the grand scheme of things wasn't that long ago like i grew up without it until a teenage early like tw i was 12 when we got our first little apple computer before then if you wanted to connect with a new faith community and there was a greater expectation that just everyone's going to go to church back then, you'd have to go and check out the con congregations to figure out which one's a good match, where are your friends going, and when you showed up, you'd stay for a while because that was the only way you'd really get to know a community. That's totally different now. You know, I, and I've worked with congregations across the country, and here's what I'm finding. Uh, including offering services like this where people who are new come up and share with me their experience. Your average person who is new and thinking about visiting your church or any congregation goes into research mode before they come to do everything they can to determine that this church, this specific church, not just Unitarian Universalism, but this specific congregation is the exact place that's right for them. They'll go, they'll visit your website, they'll watch YouTube videos, they'll subscribe to podcasts, like your Facebook page, all these things, and start following what's happening with the congregation. I was speaking at a congregation in the spring, similar, same service, and this per she came up to me, this newcomer. She, she said, I just wanted to affirm something you said. I'm like, oh, what is it? I love when people tell me I'm right. <laughs> and she said, I moved to town, there's only one UU congregation in town. I thought I wanted to go. 
you know, we're here because my husband moved for a job. I spent a year paying attention to the congregation's communication channels before I came in person. Tuning in for a year. A year. This is a person who knew that this was the one congregation she probably wanted her family to go to. A year. I said, well, why, why do you think it took you so long to come? I was nervous. I wanted to make sure I knew what to expect, but I wanted to make sure that the people who would be there, that they, they really would want me there. That when I showed up, I'd be welcomed. And I said, and how did it go? And she's like, I'll tell you later, this is my second Sunday. <laughs> so now what happens is, people are researching, figuring out, is this the ultimate community for me? And because of that research, by the time someone comes to one of our congregations, they have what I say is essentially pre-qualified themselves to be part of that community. They've used all the information about our faith, Unitarian Universalism, that congregation, what your sermons are like, what you say you're about, and have decided this is probably really good. There's all some you know, um, examples of people who have a, a different path, especially if they grew up Unitarian Universalist. But newcomers come, and they've already figured out this is probably the place. What does that mean? When, when they come, when a new person comes, and if anyone here is a newcomer and have experienced I always love feedback, so after the service, feel free to chat with me. There's an expectation that they've done their homework, and now the congregation needs to be right there and do a series of things very quickly. Welcome them well, get to know their name, affirm that, that they care that they're there, and this is the part that's really challenging. Start really demonstrating that that's not superficial. And that means getting to know the person's story. And that is hard. And we don't often do it well because it's so much easier to connect with the people that we already know. And so for those of you who are part of this community already, I want you to know that the average person who comes through the doors here, and you have so many visitors because of where you are. Some are just visiting town, but there are just a lot of people who do come here to check it out. They're only going to come at most three times unless someone really shows that they care. How do you do that? I'm going to give you my magic recipe, all right? You ready for the formula? Like, oh, man, Peter's lecturing us. This service stinks. No. Uh, here's the answer. This is like the salvation. Number one, when you see somebody you don't know, this is what I do. I just go up and say, hi, I'm Peter. We haven't met yet, or I don't think we've met yet, because sometimes I forget people, right? And that communicates, I'm interested, and in this place, we're, we want to know each other. We, we're supposed to get to know each other. Then the person also says, oh, hi, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And then here's the magic phrase. You ready? Because we all get uncertain about, well, what do I say if, I, if there's a new person? How do I introduce myself? After you do the names, you say, oh, it's good to meet you. 
tell me something about yourself. Doesn't that seem really simple? Tell me something about yourself. Now, in my experience in doing this and teaching other congregations to do it, here's what usually happens. The people, the average person says, what do you mean tell me something about myself? Sherry Turkle, who works at you know, MIT on technology in the self, and there's a growing group of ethnographers and other people studying how technology is impacting um, the way we are. They're actually saying technology is changing not only what we do, but who we are, how we function. That it is always easier to go to your mobile phone and check in and do little things on Facebook and have all these little connections than to engage with people one-on-one -on -one in person. And so we're losing, many of us, the ability to really have deeper self-reflection when we spend time alone and then to bring ourselves into conversation with people. Actually, Sherry Turkle, I just heard, she has a new book coming out about reclaiming conversation. Reclaiming conversation. And so if we recognize that your average person coming into this community is looking not for you to be friendly, but is looking for friends and looking for conversations. That changes the way we have to behave. And so my hope for all of you is, and as some of you are like, the fact that this is like the last good beach Sunday, right? So the fact that you guys are here is you have people who are looking to connect and you have people who are really dedicated members here. Just know that if we can identify, recognize the people who have come and make it a goal, you, know, you don't have to be someone's buddy forever. But when you recognize a new person, make it your goal to just introduce yourself and hear a little bit about that, their story. And I will say, you know, tell me a little something about yourself. Ooh, let's practice that. Repeat after me. Tell me something about yourself. Ooh, that's pretty good. Let's do it in unison. Tell me something about yourself. All right. Now, when we do that, people start, once they realize we actually care, they start opening up. And we realize why they came what kind of people they're looking to connect with, that this person and that person actually work at the same institution, and we can start working to connect them. And through these connections, you know, we realize the dream of what these, this congregation can be about and what we can do together. So on behalf of all of the marshes of the world, I invite you into this, this journey of discovery of who are the people in the pews sitting next to you. Now, a good way to get motivated to do that is to let love guide you, which is our closing hymn, number 131, Love Will Guide Us. <laughs>